Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Kia ora, Wellington. It's Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. This is B-Side Stories, stories of the people who make Wellington tick. I'm your host today. I'm Laura. And for our show today, uh, we're talking about uh, the proposed cuts to 129 full-time equivalent roles uh, that will be lost from Victoria University Wellington, or VUW, at to address a forecast $33 million deficit there. Uh, so this includes cutting entire subjects, including secondary teaching, German, Italian, Latin, tourism management, design technology, geophysics, as well as a bunch of programs that will be integrated into other programs. Not sure what that means, but that, that list includes theater, linguistics, applied linguistics, museum and heritage studies, and classical and jazz performance. Students, teachers, and union reps have been organizing to oppose the cuts, including to save the iconic VUW theater program, uh, who uh, has influenced so many of the guests that we have on our show here at B-Side Stories every week. Uh, So, Dr. Kieran Palmer is a freelance director, actor, and teacher of drama for over 25 years. And she's here to talk to us about the campaign to save VUW theatre. So welcome to B-Side Stories. Oh, thanks, Laura. Nice to be here. Uh, let's let's start off by um, giving you a chance to introduce yourself. What's your background? Yeah, sure. So I uh, grew up on the Wairarapa and I came to Vic as a very keen sort of, uh, I think I was 19 when I came, and I did theatre at Vic. Um, so the theatre programme at Vic's been running since 1970, and yeah, and I came in the uh, 1990s. And um, yeah, as a small country town girl who kind of really liked theatre, I kind of really found my people and found my place, and I've been hooked ever since. So I've had a, got a really long history with the theatre programme, um, yeah, I also did a teaching degree at the same time because my mum was very sensible and she said, make sure you do something you can, you know, as a backup. And so I've kind of managed to um, make a career over the last 30 years, really, in, in theatre and in teaching. And yeah, and so I'm back at Vic and teaching. Um, I just finished a PhD there two years ago. Wow. Uh, yeah. So yeah, like, so I've been a full mature student as well. Um, and I make theatre. I'm a theatre director mostly. Um, my specialist area is uh, theatre for young people and children's theatre and uh, devising theatre. And yeah, and I've been permanent there for the last two years. And I'm um, my current role, I run the MFA um, pro, um, program so that's the Masters of Fine Arts program which which I really love because it's working with emerging theatre makers who are most of them are emerging theatre makers who um, yeah who then kind of do their Masters of Fine Arts and creative practice and then go out into the mostly Wellington theatre industry yeah. and um, and run it I like to say <laughs> that our grades kind of run <laughs> the Wellington theatre industry <laughs> kind of <laughs> um, uh, out of interest, 
Can you t- can you tell me a little bit about your PhD? What do you yeah you focus sure. on for that? So yeah, I was just talking. I just had a coffee with um, someone I went to high school with, and um, I said uh, you might remember I was not particularly academic at high school. So I figure if I can do a PhD. Anyone can do one. Nice. Um, so yeah, I ended up doing it in children's theatre. So I got really frustrated over. I've been really frustrated over the years in the way that um, theatre for young audiences is really undervalued. So I'd go to shows and people would be like, yeah, we just we just chucked it on. We just kind of, we just did a couple of weeks rehearsal because it's just for kids, no one really cares. And it used to just really frustrate me because I find that children's theatre is the most important theatre. Like to make theatre for young people is just so important uh, and magical and, um, and also the hardest theatre to make. Uh, so like a, a, a child audience, is um, they're, they're going to stand up and say, well, that's rubbish, uh, or just, they'll just walk out. Um, <laughs> so um, so I, I got really frustrated by that, and I'd done some work with some, I did some work with some great companies, and I've done some work uh, internationally and realised that um, actually we don't, we, we, we undervalue it even more than many countries. Um, in fact, we undervalue arts, education, um, a lot more than a lot of other countries. So that was kind of where my interest in it came. And um, then I found that I could do a PhD, a practical PhD. So that was even better. So what I did was I got a wonderful class of third year theatre students and they they all joined up to kind of come and do some children's theatre. And we worked with two Two classes. We were with Tiaro, a class at Tiaro School of five and six year olds, and we worked with a class at Tawa School of 10, 11, and 12 year olds. And we just kind of went, oh, okay, so what do you want to see? What do you want to see a play about? And, and what kind of rocks your boat? And, um, and we, so we did this research, and then we created two plays and uh, for different age groups. It was super fun. A lot of those, my students at the time, have gone on to be teachers, which is really cool. Uh, and then actually we kind of took one of those plays and I kept working it. And at the moment, its current form is it's a little uh, two-hander called Wonderkind and it's a non-verbal or a um, language lean work for, uh, for for children. And it's just been on at Circa and at the Capital E Festival. So, yeah, so my PhD is kind of really around making quality work for children. Yeah. Um, that's so cool, and it strikes me that it's quite cool that you doing that research at schools in Wellington. It's quite a fun thing for those kids to be involved in as well. Yeah, it was it was really cool. Yeah, actually, one of one of my kids was in the class as well. Right, so, so, <laughs> which was which was was actually gave it an extra layer, but it was it was great. Yeah, it was really nice. In fact, I still see some of those kids because yeah, they're all. Um, with 17, 18, now the, the older kids that, that I worked with, and right. they'll, they'll run up and they'll be like, I remember, you know, like I remember that doing that. I remember coming to see the play and we got them to give feedback and we got them to help us create the ending and things like that. So, yeah, it's, cool. it's really special. And that was one of the things we found, that by engaging the children in the making of the play, they were like really invested in it. They were like really fully like, I want to know what happens and why did you make that choice and I think it should have been this. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a really interesting project. Yeah. Nice. Um, so you went to VUW theatre programme in the 1990s, you said. Yeah, how How, how yeah. does that theatre programme in the 1990s compare to today, you think? 
Yeah, well, as far it, as what people can experience, I guess. Yeah, no, absolutely. So when I went, it was um, started in the nineteen seventies by the amazing Phil Man, and then by nineteen ninety, when I started, John Downey and David Carnegie had joined. So there were three of them. Uh, it was just in a little building called ninety three KP, which we still, which we still exists. It's a little bit mouldy and rat infested, but you know. <laughs> Um, still exists and um, we just had that was our theatre program and it was it was it was really great it it was different in a way that you couldn't do it at 100 level you had to wait until 200 level and then it was really competitive so that only took 12 people into the third year because there was only three staff Um, and uh, so it was always very competitive in your second year so you had to get to get a degree in theatre you kind of had to really work quite hard and get your A's and be a good collaborator, which I guess is one of the things that I worry about because one of the proposals is that it goes back to three staff. And I think, oh, my God, because actually it was that was one of the um, one of the great things about the program was that, you you know, I met my people there. I met people I'm still friends with today. But Mm. one of the not so great things was that, A, you couldn't do it at 100 level. And B, it was really competitive to get into those third year courses. Like it was, it was deeply competitive in a way it wasn't healthy. Uh, whereas, as opposed to today, where um, anyone that wants to really can get a degree in theatre. So we have some of the courses are limited entry, but also a lot of them are open entry. And there's a, such a huge variety in the courses. So it was very much focused on was focused on performance. Um, um, but it's one thing that's always been really solid and really important about the degree is at Vic is that you can, you sort of go in and you do a little bit of everything. So you do performance, you do some lighting, you do some sound design, you do some sonography, you do some directing, and that that hasn't changed. And that's sort of one of the real strengths of the program mm. is that. And so, like, I went in there going, I'm going to be an actor, and came out going, No, I'm going to be a director. Like, I sort of found what I wanted to do and um, and that's a real common theme. You have students that come and go, oh, I like drama at high school and then next minute they're lighting designers or set designers and that's a real strength of the program is that the staff have a real variety of um, of skills and so that we, you know, we can really, we can absolutely give students those skills in stage mm. management and production management and it's not. And I think that one thing that's really important as a practitioner in New Zealand is you have to be flexible. You have to be. You can't just be one thing. Yeah. Even the, the best act, one of the best actors from my year, and one of my best friends is Tandy Wright. She was in my class, and even she can't just be an actor. You know, like it's sort of she still has to diversify her skills, and she does intimacy coordination and direction and things like that. So it's it's almost impossible if you're going to stay in New Zealand to just be an actor or just be a director you have to be have to be good at all those things that's so um that's so true and uh the people who are putting on theater in wellington yeah. have spoken to me about that <laughs> they say you kind of always have to have a little bit of a hustle like yeah like i'm an actor people have said i'm an actor but actually i do stage production yeah. like often i'm doing that i have to have a lot of like a lot of skills to draw on to like make it work yeah, absolutely. But I also think 
You know, like if I'd just been a director for 30 years, I'd be well over it by now, right? Sure. You know, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I hate this job. I think it's one of the things that keeps it really exciting is that you're you're always kind of doing something else. And then someone will go, hey, do you want to come and, you know, do some lighting design? And you'll be like, wow, yeah, why not? So, yeah, and I think that's a real strength of the Vic Uni program. And there's this, this might be a slight tangent, but there's, there's this like – um, the way that I think interesting content is being created in the digital world is like you people who can kind of do everything. Yeah. So they can kind of think about things and um, in a really lateral way and like kind of direct themselves and they can be the actor and they can do the staging yeah. and they can do filming or, you know, all kinds of different skills that kind of come together to make weird new stuff that yeah. kind of defines culture now like things are getting all kind of stirred up and mixed up anyway and yeah absolutely yeah. and that's that's the thing if you sort of stick to one quite one path then sometimes that can sort of shut you off from from thinking laterally I guess and going yeah. oh actually actually oh AI is coming oh what am I going to do that's going to shift this what am I how am I going oh hang on I can do this yeah yeah so, yeah oh it's quite interesting um and so you are from the Wairarapa, so kind of always Wellington region um, yeah. uh, ties. But um, how did you come to be living and working in Wellington? Have you done um, oh. a bit of experiences elsewhere? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, yeah, so I, I was born in Wellington and then my parents, when I was four, decided that um, dad was in advertising, wanted to get out of advertising. Let, let's move to the country. Let's buy a, let's buy a shop great. in Featherston. I feel like there's a movie about that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay, great idea in theory. But no, it was great. We, we had sort of like a lifestyle block and, and my parents were like, I think, I think this is a better place to bring up kids. But I was always really drawn back to the city. It was, I had this really, this real inner pull and um and I went to my local college and um for three years and then found that I I couldn't do the subjects that I wanted to do like I was I remember really clearly at the end of fifth form which is year 11 going oh I don't want to do biology and economics but those are the only subjects that I can do so I actually um I decided to come to school in Wellington um so I commuted from Greytown every day to go to do my sixth and seventh form year in mm. um, at Wellington Girls so I could do drama and music and <laughs> classical studies and all those really fun things. So that was that was really cool actually living in the Wairarapa, which I love because I love the country, but coming to school in Wellington and um, yeah and then I then I went overseas. I've, I've, I've done quite a lot of traveling um, but I always come back to Wellington. Wellington's the only place I've actually lived in in New Zealand, which is interesting. But I think I just love the size of it, and I love that it's in the middle of New Zealand, and and that we can, you know, I have family down south, and family up north, so it's kind of, yeah, I don't know. I've just never wanted to live anywhere else in in New Zealand, really. Maybe you know, and the weather's getting better, so now everyone's gonna want to move here. You know, it's like. Um, but yeah, so it's funny. I always come back here. So even when I've lived overseas, I'll, I'll come back. And it's the heart, at least this is what we say. Hopefully it's still true. Mm. It's the heart of the arts scene for yeah. Aotearoa, right? Hopefully. Yeah. Is I, it's still it, true. Ah, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> it's funny. I have a, yeah, I always find it hard when people go, it's the cultural capital. Because part of me goes, yes. But then part of me also goes, yes, but... 
I think it likes to think it is, but the investment's not there. So I, and I am quite vocal about this normally whenever the council mm. call on me for stuff. It's like if you want us to be the cultural capital, you have to invest. And I'm not talking about just investing in the symphony orchestra and the opera, but it is in, in, and I think theatre particularly particularly struggles, um, theatre practitioners, I think, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really hard to make a living in theatre in Wellington. And I think there are definitely ways that council could help with this. And I think that there are definitely, and I don't know, I feel like every few years the council has this lovely lovely lunch that they have with arts practitioners <laughs> and they say, what do we need to change? And we all tell them and then nothing really changes, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, literally had another one a couple of months ago and I was like, you know what? I had this flashback. I was here, I had a baby who's now 16. You know, like it's, I'm having the same conversations. Why am I doing this? Um, so, yeah, I, I get frustrated by that. I think actually there are things that could be done to make it easier for um, for theatre practitioners in Wellington. Because, um, yeah, it's hard because our, our two wonderful theatres, Circa and Bats, which are amazing, you know, you you often don't, you have to find your own funding to put shows on there, right? So it's really challenging. So it's not like you can kind of go and get paid to put on a show there. So you still have to find. So a lot of our time is spent writing funding applications. And I always think, God, imagine if all the artists in Wellington actually spent that time making art, mm. how amazing the city would be. Because we have we have incredible artists here. And I think we forget that. Like I was just, I've just been following a lot of artists have gone over to Edinburgh and I've just been following some friends that have been doing their um, their show Too Much Here and Antonio. And it's just been people have been raving about it. You know, like the quality of the work that we make here is 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 world class and we do that on nothing usually often we do it on very very minimal amount of money and resources and I just sometimes I think oh my god imagine if someone <laughs> said hey how about you just make some art I'm going to trust you with this and you're not going to have to spend half of your year <laughs> you know sort of writing funding applications and then waiting to hear back and all this sort of stuff we're going to trust you with this. And imagine the sort of art. And I think some sort of initiative in that vein, okay, it's real pie in the sky, would actually truly make Wellington a cultural capital that would give those artists, the dancers and the musicians and the, you know, I, I guess I'm talking universal based in income kind of artist wage um, just so that we could all focus on the art rather than trying to get the money to make the art. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it must be such a scramble to um, it's, compete it, for grants. And I think that's one of the hardest things, things is is a that you're always competing with other people. So you're, there's always some sort of there's always a, a, an edge of competition, right? And the I mean they've just taken this out at CNZ, but you know, recent, I don't know if you heard about the last couple of rounds for funding. They had a cap on it, so they had you had this intense. Um, time where you all had to get your applications in at the same time because otherwise the cap would stop and the, and it looked like it was so insane it was like the Hunger Games because <laughs> because when people realised this was happening the first time it happened it closed in twenty four hours the second time everyone was ready 
sitting there ready to push go as soon as the rounds open. The whole system crashed. So, no, <laughs> you know, you've got Typical. all these artists yeah. who literally, this is the next six months of work, just sweating. And, yeah, CNZ did read the room on that one and they've taken the cap off. Of, but that was insane. Yeah. It was Actually, I was just like, this is crazy. What, what we, was it the Hunger Games for making yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. art? It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah, so, yeah. And I think... Yeah. It, in, in an ideal world, it, we wouldn't be competing for scraps to be able to make art. We would be yeah. enabling people to make art, you know, whether that's their full-time thing or their amazing creative side project, you know. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I've done a lot of thinking recently about, because I think we're so, it's been interesting up at university so that it's been a lot of, it's the humanities and the arts that have been really hammered with these proposals and I'm you know I'm thinking you know what 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 is this and, and a lot of it's to do with um really simple things like like numbers like it's it's <laughs> you can't teach theater or music in a in a classroom of, of 300 people right right but then right. you've got to go well is that really the best way to teach anything yeah <laughs> <laughs> I would say no um and then I <laughs> I just wrote this article that no one is picking up at the moment but I'm still <laughs> passionate about which is sort of saying you know a few years ago um I got this 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 letter from my kids school and it's like we're changing NCEA because we realize that children don't have resilience they don't have courage they don't have communication skills they don't have problem solving skills they don't know how to work in teams and I'm just going that's because you took the arts out of education mm. 20 years ago in, in uh, order to, um, to push STEM and uh, in order to increase the literacy and numeracy rate. And hang on, <laughs> spoiler alert, uh, the literacy and numeracy rate has gone down and uh, we don't, kids don't have these critical thinking skills or these ability to work in a team or, the, or resilience or courage and all of these things that arts give you. Um, so, and I'm like... Why aren't, why aren't the arts at the heart of our education system? Why isn't the education system run around the arts? Because I reckon we've tried it the other way and it's, it's just not working. And, mm. and, you, and then you sort of take a step back and you look at other countries and countries like Denmark, for example, which is where I lived when I was a teenager and as, and as an exchange student, and they, arts is mandatory. Um, kids have to go to the theatre. They have to go to a dance piece. They have to go to a music. They have to go to the orchestra. They, you know, it's 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 written into their curriculum that, that it's mandatory that they see or are exposed to pieces of theatre. And the, so the government funds that. <laughs> so the government goes, this is really important for our young people to grow. We know that the arts are really important, so we're going to fund uh, schools to bring in art groups. We're going to fund, um, you know, uh, children to go to the theatre. So... Yeah, I think we've really we've really missed the boat here, and I think the fact you know people sort of think in these monetary terms, um, but they don't think big picture. Like actually, if we kind of made people more resilient and got them to work better in teams and made them communicate better, um, then maybe our economy would run better. Yeah. So you you know obviously. I get very frustrated by it, and I think this um, what's been happening at, at at Vic has kind of brought it all to a head, really, for for us as arts educators. Really, we've sort of gone, oh come on, why are we going to take mm. a hit again? We're already we're already struggling. Mm. Um, and then you think 
and then you sort of question it. You go, oh, have we got it all wrong? And then we go, and then I was at Vic on um, Friday. We had this amazing open day, right? So we had thousands of young people through. Yes. We ran out of theatre brochures in the first hour and a half. So we had so many young people come to us and go, oh, my God, uh, uh, where's the theatre program? Where's it? And I thought about it a lot afterwards and it was like I, I think young people are coming out of those COVID years now and they're like, you know, I can't, I'm kind of done being in my room on my iPad. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of want to be with people again. And, and, and theatre studies and the music programs and, and those humanities – that's what. That's where you can do that, you know. And then I think, what sort of New Zealand do we want, right? Do we want a? Okay, I'm not bagging on accountants and lawyers, but do we want a New Zealand full of accountants and lawyers and and and, and economists? Really, you know? Do we really want that? And are those people going to be really happy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think there's some really big picture thinking that needs to happen, and you know, it, it, and it is frustrating that we always seem to take the hit in the arts. And we're always having to say, this is why we're valuable. Like, I can't believe I'm still saying this after 30 years. Yeah. The arts are valuable for yeah. people. I just, um, so my youngest was just in the Big Sing. So this was this incredible music festival, uh, nationwide music festival. And I just watched it on live, live so the, the top 22 choirs in New Zealand secondary school choirs go and perform uh, in the Auckland Town Hall, and I watched it on live stream because you, you couldn't get tickets. And no one can tell me that the arts look at those kids and the, the pure joy on their faces and breaking into song. Like people that were in the audience, they're like, they just break into song. There'd just be these hundreds of young people just singing <laughs> when they weren't singing in the kind of festival. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I've experienced that with like the Sheila Wynn National you know, um, Shakespeare Festival as well. Just the just the incredible joy and connection and 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 feeling of it's it's like it is like being at a sports match, right? And it's like, so why do we have this? Why in our country is sports kind of seen as this thing, whereas it, it's not? The arts is is like a, a poorer cousin in a way. And yeah, those are the things that keep me up at night, Laura. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I I I really feel that I I um, have great disdain for the conversation. What's the value? What's like? Oh. How can we monetize? Can yeah. we measure the value of the arts? And I don't think anyone who's ever been in a music music program yeah. or had a love of theater or watched a family member get involved in you know whatever their creative passion is yeah. has a question in their mind about the value no. of the arts. Yeah. But somehow we're somehow we have to keep to, validating it. And you know, there, there was a study done recently. I just I just saw it uh, at Otago University where they they followed six hundred students around and they were looking at mental health in particular. And the ones that had done something creative that were the day after their mental health was much better. They were hmm. much more happier. They were much more resilient. They were much you know it. There are pro- it's proven time and time again. There are so many. Um, and sort of, you know, so many research projects around that say the arts are good for our mental health, the arts are good for community. Um, so, like, some of the things that I do in community, um, and I, th- I think this is one of the things, people think theatre is kind of, you know, all about going to the theatre, 
But, you know, it's so much more than that. So I teach, uh, um, I run um, a class and there's an amazing group of us actually. There's about eight or nine of us I think now and we go into retirement villages and we go into um, community halls and we run social drama classes for elderly this is through a company called Voice Arts, and it's um, the most amazing thing that was set up. Uh, I think it's five years ago, um, and I helped set it up with Nicola Pauling, um, and Ryman Health came on board, and it's it's it was really around um, mental health and um, loneliness and elderly. So sort of really recognizing that, and it's it's just these classes where we go on and we do improv classes and we tell stories and we're very silly. And um, it's it's the most joyous thing. And I think, you know, we do that. I do. There's lots of programs going on in prisons as well. There's lots of work that 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 show that creativity and taking art and theatre and music and dance into prisons is for, for rehabilitation is really important. So, yeah, there's there's so much evidence, but yet sometimes somehow we we get stuck on this having to always explain what the value is. Um, that is a good and long introduction to talking about what's happening at Victoria <laughs> University. <laughs> Give me a microphone, Anne, you know. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so tell me, because I'm not sure, um, I was sort of, uh, in my intro, I kind of read what I have read in in news articles, but yeah. t- tell me a bit more about what, what's at stake there and what's what's going on for the people that work there. Yeah, sure. So, um, and things have changed a little bit since that that one that you've read as okay. well. So, yeah. So, I guess in a nutshell, the university is financially um, through many years of underfunding slash mismanagement, but mostly underfunding, um, is in quite a fiscal hole, right? And, of course, I think um, I'm not an accountant, but I think there was a lot of – COVID had a lot to do with that, in particular the the, the drying up of the students, um, international students coming over. So for whatever reason, we're in a massive fiscal hole. They really have to um, save money, and so they've, they've chosen a methodology – um, which has kind of put a certain amount of programs in scope. It, it, it's quite a complex myth. I won't, ex- I won't explain it in great detail, partly because it's, well, I don't know, I have opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so what's happened is there's like half of the, pro- the programs in the university are in scope, half of them are out of scope. So that means they can't be, they're not touched, that's fine, they carry on as normal. And then the half that are in scope, they basically proposed. Um, a whole lot of different cuts in order to get us to um, save a certain amount of money. So it's been really brutal. So for many reasons, um, it, really brutal because as soon as you divide a campus in two, it, you, it's the it's the Hunger Games again in a way. Mm. You're kind of like, great. So why are we in scope and they're not in scope? And you know, there are they, they the the money people and have reasons around that and the reasons are the reasons. Um, so anyway, basically, and then with us, for, for theatre, they um, – so I, I teach in two programmes. I teach in theatre and I teach in secondary teacher education. Yay me. Secondary education um, – so I teach the next lot of drama teachers coming up um, – <laughs> got cut completely initially. Right. And theatre was proposed that we cut our programme in half. So go back, go from like uh, sort of ten staff to I think it's three 
or eight staff down to three full-time staff and a one technician. So it, it's a big cut. And, and when you think about it like that, it sounds really hard. When you think about it like these are people with families and children who have the, you know, the, they're the main breadwinners. They have people that have, this is what they do, you know. This is this is their, their livelihood. Um, so that was that was the theatre program. They were also um, gave us not a lot of information, but they said we want you to merge with English, which was like okay. Um, they sort of said to focus on the more critical aspects, which again wasn't a lot of information. We read it as you would like us to um, teach plays rather than right doing the practical elements, which, of course, are, are more expensive because we need a theatre and then you need a technician and you need those kind of more space and you need more hours. Um, music was in a similar position where they sort of said, we're going to cut a third of your staff, we're going to merge schools together, we're going to do this, you know, um, take out this stream and this stream. So that's been incredibly distressing for them as well. Um, and they're like, well, but jazz performance is really different from classical performance. So how can we put those together? You know, so like the decisions were monetary. So there was no, they were pedagogically sound. They, there was not, a, a lot of them didn't make sense. But we kind of had to just um, accept that <laughs> this was the, the the blunt tool that had been used to make these decisions uh, and then we, um, this was the proposal. So then what happened was we lobbied the government to give more money. That was great. So that put a little hold on it. The government gave some money, not a lot, six million, I think. Um, might be wrong, went to VIX, so it wasn't a huge amount. Mm. So then they asked for voluntary redundancy. And then after that, they said, okay, some things have changed. So for example, secondary teaching is now back on the table. Uh, they have to now follow a really, really closely um, monitored pathway, managed pathway for the next couple of years, which is going to mean pretty much, I think that means for me personally, I think it means that I won't have a job there because they, what was expensive in my understanding about secondary teaching was that you have to have specialist teachers coming in, obviously, because you're trying to, to, teach, to, the to teach the specialist subjects. Yes. So, yes, so my suspicion is that that, that will be cut back and um, mm. I'm pretty sure some of the pastoral care. And yeah, I can't speak exactly to what that is, but, again, they're on a managed pathway, but, you know, to save money. Um, we didn't get to that point. We were still like, no, we have to now come up with a counterproposal to save a certain amount of money. So that's where we're at at the moment. We are about to put in a counterproposal which we've done a huge amount of work on and research, which was is sort of says this is how we're going to save some money. This is how we're going to raise our student numbers. Uh, this is the plan. Um, and you know, look, we're we're really open to working with the university on this. We, we you know, it, obviously, there's problems with the, <laughs> with money. We will do all we can to kind of um, to work with the university on that. Uh, but yeah, but. But honestly, it's been quite a brutal process and it's been going on for several months, as any restructure is, you know. But I think in particular for the um, people that have, I think I've really felt it being in two programs. Yeah. You know, like really felt that pressure. And I also teach some of the music students because um, I teach the, the master's course in music. So actually all the three programs that I teach into have been quite affected. So it's just been really, really hard, and it's been quite hard to um, 
at times get information because it's happened quickly as well. Mm. And the reason it's happened quickly is because they're like, oh, we have to save this money. So as much as I understand that the money has to be saved, um, I think the cost on the people and the students, the students have been really stressed. And then like, so my kids are university age, so like, that all the kids coming up to university are like, oh, well, is the subject I want to do going to be there? So it's been really stressful and, um, and yeah, and quite brutal. Uh, and I, yeah, and I don't know what this next stage is. Um, so at the moment, what we're doing is we're asking people to write submissions <clears throat> to say why that they think people should um, accept the counter proposal for the theatre program or the music program. Um, and they can, you can go onto the Save VUW Theatre Facebook page. It's probably the best place to find the link for that. So there's like a submission page. And that's got to be in by next um, oh, Monday, Monday the 4th. It's got to be in by Monday. So, yeah, we're just really asking people to do that. We've had a lot of great response in the first round. We had to get people to write to the VC. And we had something like 95 people letters, wow. which was amazing. And they were really amazing to read. Um, and yeah, it's just getting people to sort of say, please um, think about this. <laughs> um, yeah. We've come up with what we think is a really sound counter proposal in right. saving money and yeah. um, increasing student numbers. Um, you know, I mean, it's yeah, it, it, it's a challenging time. So I get the moment that's what we're focused on. We're focused on yeah. um, on doing that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Your counter-proposal, um, how did you come up with that? And what does that look like? Y you mentioned it in includes having more students. Yeah, so so some of the um, – so we will – there is a bit of a reduction in staff, so there will be some, you know, because that's, of course, the most the, the, the most costly thing. So there's, yeah. a, a, there's a minimal reduction in staff so that yeah. we can still run the program. Run the program. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, as that we want, that, so yeah. that everyone can still get a – MFA and a degree in theatre and all that. Um, we also really, we kind of want to really look at recruitment. I mean, I think we've um, we've not done a lot of work on recruitment, uh, partly because we got really stung by COVID, obviously, which we remarkably did hold our numbers through COVID. But um, this last year has been quite hard. So really, again, going around to going around to schools and talking to them and doing workshops and saying, actually, this is what a theatre degree. <laughs> can lead to and one of the things I did was I did a big piece of work um I I got a whole I got about 100 I think I got 130 graduates to write and in, in the end the document was 130 graduates to write and what their career paths were since they'd done a theatre degree and that was amazing because over the last 50 years people have gone on to do really fabulous things and really saying the same thing you know the skills that I learned doing a doing a BA really doing a you know being able to choose the subjects I wanted doing theatre at university meant that I could go on and have a really fulfilling career or a lot of them in leadership roles and things like that. So, yeah, um, I've gone off on a tangent, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> I was asking about the counter-proposal. The counter-proposal, yes, that's right. So, yes, so absolutely working. And then, yeah, working. there are a few other things in there that, you know, they probably won't make a lot of sense, but, you know, some of just the ways that we can save on space and way that we can save on resources and yeah. way that we can... There's been a lot of work that's gone into that, and I think yeah. um, I think it's really solid. And it's so now it's just really trying to, um, and we've got some really 
fabulous supporters, um, particularly in the English program and our head of school, and they're all um, they they kind of get to present this proposal, and we just really hope that hope that it goes through and that we can um, we can continue. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so. Um, Asking for submissions, you're inviting people to go to the Facebook page? Yeah, so go, so go to the Save VU Dub Facebook page just because you'll be able to click on the link. I was I tried to get it, but I would have, it's too many numbers to read out. Yeah, I'd get won't. it wrong. So, <laughs> so that's the best place is the Facebook page or Instagram, or um, yeah. I'm sure there's some Twitter. I don't do Twitter, but I'm pretty sure it's on Twitter as well. But, so yeah. that's all Save VUW. Save VUW Theatre. Save VUW Theatre. And just even if it's just a little submission that just says, hey, the, the reason that the, the theatre program is really important, I think, is because it it's a pipeline to the Wellington theatre industry, which, you know, which it really is. So without without it, the theatre industry would really suffer in Wellington. I think yeah. that's something that, again, when, you, when you're making these financial decisions, you no one thinks about that, right? Yeah. But when you really break that down and you say, okay, we take away most of the theatre program and half of the music program, what does that do to our cultural yeah. capital, yeah. right? It, it, I mean, there's no doubt in my experience of mm. being in the city, especially when I was a young person, mm. maybe I'm still a young person, <laughs> um, that um, I people wouldn't come and live in Wellington if it wasn't so rich and there wasn't it, it, jazz night at, at exactly. the local pub. Absolutely. And all of the amazing things that are available through these incredible students that come and live here and study here and become, you know, enrich themselves here. So Absolutely. And I think, they do. They, they they just bring this incredible vibe to the city. There's some. There's always something going on. There's always scratch nights or music nights or gigs and yeah. you know. And that's it is so rich. And I think you know. I think I think I think it's really important that we retain that. You know. And I think that's why it's important for Wellington that we absolutely retain that. And um, yeah. And and this you know it, it, this is the biggest theatre program. And the biggest music program in New Zealand. Ah, uh, yes. But, I, w- yeah. I would. I wanted to ask you a little bit that maybe as as a final question, I'll ask you yeah. about. Um, yeah. How how does how is Vic's theatre program um, uh, significant to New Zealand? Yeah. Well, it's it's hugely significant. Um, so the only other pl- where you can do um, so Otago has got a really strong theatre program as well. Although even they are also facing cuts mm. at the moment, um, so but that that's that's the other sort of um, full theatre program. But Vic is still probably a third bigger than that. So there's more, and, and by bigger I mean you can do more a variety of courses. So mm-hmm. you, there's a huge variety you can come to Wellington to do. Um, it's gone from Canterbury now. It's gone from Massey and Palmerston just recently. They've closed that as a minor. So there's. Uh, it's gone. I think there's um, there is some at Waikato and there's some at uh, at Auckland Uni uh, and AUT, but but it, it it's been shrunk. So this is a scary thing. Um, Emma Willis from Auckland University wrote an article on it, which you can uh, find in the uh, newsroom one, saying about how we it just keeps shrinking. People keep shrinking arts education, theatre education in particular. Um, you know, throughout the country. So, yeah, so it, it would be a huge mistake, in my opinion. It would be disastrous, really, for the industry, 
for it to um, to close here. Um, and and just you know on that, obviously we have Toifakari, um, which is a fabulous, and I'm a Toifakari grad myself uh, in Wellington, but it's really different. It's much more specialised. So you go in, and you you'll go and do your, your acting. You'll specialise in acting, or you'll specialise in, in um, production management. Uh, and it's 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 quite a different, and they and they have much much fewer students, so only a few people every year can get in there. Whereas Vic is much more about the holistic, the big picture, <laughs> the fact that you can do law and theatre, and they become this really shit hot kind of solicitor. You know, like that's the kind of beauty of being able to do it at university. Yeah, choice. Um, Great. So I will make sure it is on the B-Side Stories Facebook page as well, link to make a submission before Monday. Um, thank you for coming in, telling thank us you. all about what's going on uh, to save VUW Theatre. Go organizers, go counterproposal. Um, I think the energy of Wellington is um, really behind the campaign and the movement. Yeah. So um, thank you. Hopefully you guys find great success. Cool. Thanks so much. Sure. That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.